0: Don't miss the latest stories and analysis about the future of education from the ReLearning Project. Sign up for the weekly newsletter at chronicle.com slash relearning. Good morning, class. This week, we're going
1: back to school.
0: Well, kind of. We're focusing on teaching, specifically the most enduring format for college teaching, the lecture.
1: So it seems the majority of college courses around the country are still taught in the lecture model. But should they be? Hello and welcome to the Chronicle of Higher Education's Relearning Podcast, a weekly look at the future of education. I'm Jeff Young.
0: And I'm Goldie Blumenstick. And we're doing something a little different on this week's podcast. We're going to dissect
1: a particular moment of teaching and get a panel of experts to critique it.
0: So think of it like that DVD commentary track when the experts chime in underneath the movie that you're watching. Or a little bit like that mystery science theater show that you used to watch when you were a kid.
1: I used to love that show. (laughs) So the idea is not to trash these specific instructors, but to examine an approach to teaching up close.
0: We actually taped this live at the South by Southwest EDU conference. At the event, we played a video clip of a specific class lecture. But since this is audio, we'll start here by describing it. I think you'll get the idea.
1: The setting is a pretty typical classroom, but one of those computer classrooms. About a dozen students are sitting at desktop computers arranged in rows, while the professor stands at the front of the room, there's a you know, projector, um, PowerPoint slides on the screen.
2: Here's how it starts. So today I'm going to share with you the most important, most significant, most profound lecture and the reasons that we do what we do. The importance of formatting and documenting your work in the modern language style. That this is the seventh edition. I will not accept anything less than the 7th edition, which is the most current, up-to-date, most accurate information available from the Modern Language Association. And we are using what edition? And what edition will we be using, class? Class, it is right here on the board for you, class.
0: So no surprise. Some of the students are using their computers, but they're not doing anything that's related to the class. One student is playing solitaire, Another one is chatting away on Facebook. Another is shopping on Amazon. And yet there's one kid in the back simply asleep. It's kind of
1: everything that could go wrong is going wrong in this clip. But it's not footage of a real class in this case. It was staged kind of as a parody. It's an exaggeration of what not to do in a lecture.
0: Right. Actually, this was created by some folks at Ivy Tech Community College in Indiana as part of their own marketing campaign. I guess their message was, if you come to our school, this is not the kind of class you're going to end up with.
1: So during the panel, we, we showed this clip to our three experts on teaching, and, and we actually didn't even tell them that, that this was satire. The three teaching experts were Arthur Levine, who's president of the Woodrow Wilson Foundation, which is starting an ed school with MIT, Philip Long, who's at UT Austin as Associate Vice Provost for Learning Sciences, and Don Zimmerow at Stanford as the Director of Learning Design and Assessment. Anybody have any comments out there about this clip of a, of a, of a lecture we, we watched?
2: I thought he was terrific. <laughs> is that a real lecture, or is this guy an actor? Is an actor. Yeah. Bueller, Bueller. Bueller. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Phil, did you have something you were dying to say?
3: Only that it is it a little bit too uh, common. Okay, so you're saying,
1: Don, do you have any comments on the uh, the, the lecture we watched?
4: Uh, I was impressed by the student playing solitaire, that they actually weren't sleeping. They were engaged in at least something uh, that was working in their mind. How, how often do you guys think this still is at
1: colleges um, in some form? Maybe not this extreme or maybe this extreme, I don't know.
2: When we prepare professors, what we really do is prepare them to teach. Uh, to, we prepare them in a subject matter. So they're experts in content. And then we put them into a classroom, we think if you love the content, you've got to be able to teach it. That's not always wholly true. So we've made an interesting sort of shift back and forth, which is in schools, we prepare teachers in pedagogy. In colleges, we prepare them in content. Each one's missing what the other one has.
4: And uh, in this example, we've got the professor in a computer classroom who, um, and in addition to the pedagogy and the content knowledge, the technology use, and just saying, we're going to put you in a technology-enabled classroom, if our instructors really don't know how to take full advantage of that, something like, this is a worst-case scenario, but we've seen examples of of faculty members, uh, community colleges, and four-year institutions who don't know what to do with the technology, so they resort to what they know, which is lecture.
3: So part of the issue here is that the instructor really doesn't know where they stand, and I mean that physically as well as, as metaphorically <laughs> um, because a lot of what's going on there could be gently man- managed by simply moving around the room and looking over the shoulders of people who are doing this, the solitaire or their Facebook page and, and making a comment here and there. Uh, so they're not, really, they're not really paying attention to the opportunity that their presence has. And so in some sense, that's where it's kind of the dystopian worst example, because it's a lecture on a flat floor classroom space with technology-enriched opportunity, and they're not taking advantage of any three of them.
1: So I know it's kind of becoming popular to beat up on the lecture format, and I didn't want to only do that. So we asked whether any of our panelists wanted to defend it, As at least when professors are doing lecture correctly, can it be effective? Philip Long was the first to chime in.
3: I think that there is a place for lecture. I'm not, I wouldn't characterize that place as the appropriate place for um, effective content and, and learning acquisition. I would um, characterize it as lecture as performance and as community building and as, and as sharing in a discipline um, um, with the audience uh, in a way that brings them to it but I I wouldn't expect necessarily it to be the most appropriate way for acquisition.
2: There are some amazing lecturers. Abelard was said in the Middle Ages to have tens of thousands of students attending his lectures. Now, they didn't even have microphones then. I don't know how they did that. But he was amazing. And we've had some other amazing people. Jacques Barzin was supposed to be terrific at teaching Western civilization. Uh, Carl Sagan had a reputation as a terrific teacher. Feynman had that kind of reputation. The one nice thing now is we can keep the pedagogy and we can make sure that when we use it, every kid has access to the best lecturers in the world.
4: And I would just add to that, uh, lecture has historically been about information dissemination and what we really want to work with our faculty members in some of the best lectures that I've seen are about explanation and conveying to the student how an expert in the field actually thinks. And so we can set up students with the proper prior knowledge so when they come to class and we give a lecture, we have an instructor give a lecture and talk about how they think about and reason, I think that actually has an appropriate place versus information dissemination where students are passive recipients and the entire goal of the lecture is just to record information that the instructor is telling me. That is the model I think that has been breaking down, but as Arthur and Phil are saying, we, I think we all agree that there is an appropriate place for lecture. will context in sort of what the students are bringing to the class.
3: Just a quick note, uh, uh, John Seeley Brown once was was telling me that he was a math major at, at University of Michigan, and for three years he sat, sat in, in lecture classes and watched the back of his professors as they would do derivations and various things on the board, except one class where the instructor was doing the same thing and then realized he'd made a mistake. And all of a sudden, he sort of went back to the board and and wiped it off and then started thinking aloud as he was figuring out what his mistake was. And he said it was the first time in three years that he actually saw how a math professor thought. And it actually was the thing that led cemented him to stay in the major and then go on from there. Because he was fascinated by the thinking that he saw. It just had. It was all prepared before. The person just went through and laid everything out, but never actually provided the context or the alternatives or why this particular decision was better than the other than a different one. And that particular example stuck with him in a way that that changed his career. So there is a role for the lecture.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not to say that all are bad. And I think this experience was really fun, and it was actually kind of instructive in like thinking about well, colleges do they do this very much? Is there much attention given to this kind of dissection of? of teaching and trying to make it better?
0: You know, my sense is for a long time there hasn't really been.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and as Arthur Levine said during the session, you know, at the K-12 level, there is more of a culture of, you know, having people stand in the back of the room and give um, kind of, oh, you didn't do this quite as well, you could do this better, but not in higher ed.
0: Right, it's not really how professors are trained when they're getting their PhDs and preparing to go into the classroom, but I do think as online education and even technology enters the classroom a little bit more, they're going to have to do a little bit more of this. They're going to have to You can't just be a lone ranger professor anymore. You have to do a little extra preparation and think about what you're going to be presenting because you have to tie it in with all these other partners who are helping you develop your classes.
1: I mean, maybe the takeaway is that campuses should start doing kind of if not a public event, to critique
0: teaching. <laughs> right. Don't bring in outside strangers to just tell you how you're doing your class. Yeah, but to
1: maybe observe and, and kind of look at this. You know, at the very least, I think maybe we'll come back and do this as an occasional segment on the podcast and, and do different different clips.
0: Right. If they don't do it, we will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, stay tuned. This has been the ReLearning Podcast. It's part of the Chronicle's coverage of innovation at colleges, and you can read all the articles at chronicle.com slash relearning.
0: You can also find a the link there to the teaching video that we talked about, so you can actually see it.
1: And you can share your own thoughts, of course, about the role of the lecture, and you can do that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash relearningproject, or give us a shout on Twitter at relearningedu. Today's show was produced by me, Jeff Young. Our theme music was by Jason Cadell. We'll be
3: back next week with more stories and analysis about the new learning landscape.